Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. You know, there's nothing like an underdog story. You know, it's the David versus Goliath. It's that underdog that had no shot or a long shot. And they come out on top and they end up beating the odds. In fact, underdog stories are so prevalent in our culture. Every movie that you like, you probably find it likable because there's some version of an underdog in there. But I have to admit to you today that I think underdogs are just a little overrated. I do. I root for the favorite. I root for the top dog. I like great things. I like perfect things, and I want them to stay great, and I want them to stay perfect. And this is why, even though I'm not a Patriots fan, when they were 18-0, I wanted them to go 19-0. You know? Golden State, when they had these all-star casts, I was rooting for them. I wanted to see them win because I love greatness, you know? And I will even admit to you that in the actual David versus Goliath, if it wasn't for the whole God, nation, Israel, Messiah thing— I think I would have been rooting for Goliath. I'm just saying. (laughs) And honestly, the only reason I can kind of justify rooting for David beside the whole God, nation, Israel, I get it, you get it, right? The only reason I can justify rooting for David is because David goes on to be this incredible champion that never loses. And so Goliath just kind of be, he just turned out to be the first out of many, right? But I, I love that. I love as a kid in the Disney movies, Hercules, you know, that there's this guy with super strength. I loved the Marvel Avengers, you know, where there's these people among us who possess a strength that we could never possess. And chances are you're not like me in terms of who you root for, but all of us at some level love strength. In fact, we're heading into a time of year where strength is a huge emphasis for most of us. And In fact, be honest, some of you have already Googled ways to get strong in 2020. Go ahead, raise your hand if you did. Okay, you liars. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But we love strength. And I think you know by now that if I had to choose between strength and weakness, I'd be choosing strength, okay? That's kind of my MO at this point. But one of the byproducts of living in a culture where we value strength so much, and I would say almost every culture that has ever existed has valued strength. One of the byproducts of valuing strength is that sometimes we can view pain or weakness or suffering as the enemy. It becomes something that sabotages our strength or our quest for super strength. But I wonder what you would believe today if I told you that the moment you are willing to acknowledge your weakness is actually the moment you are closest to experiencing strength. I want to welcome you here at the Warren campus, or if you're at Boardman or TCI or watching on YouTube or Facebook, we're so excited to have you with us. And I know what a lot of us think about. When you think about your weakness and you think about your pain or the thing that has brought you the most suffering, chances are you're not excited to just run straight into it or to just embrace it and to just acknowledge it. In fact, most of the time, what I found is that all of us have a tendency to ignore it to hope it goes away, to hide it. And some of us, we've never dealt with some things in our life because we just know I have to be strong for fill in the blank. And I've always been the most powerful person in the room, so what would they think if? I think many times the reason we're not even willing to acknowledge our weakness is because we're so concerned about what it would mean about us. What would people think if they knew my family was like this? What would people think if they saw that I had this huge character flaw? 
And so as a result, many times what we do is we seek the thrill, the pill, or the chill to avoid it, right? Like the thrill of something new. I'm always on to something new, to some new adventure, to some new person. I'm always chilling out, just escaping my life, escaping my reality through Instagram and through YouTube and through video games and through my lawn. I, I'm always... Sometimes, even for many of us, it's the pill. It's the pill of addiction. It's that thing that we know is killing us, but because we've lost hope, we're just trying to cope. And we head into this kind of thing where we're doing everything we can to avoid pain. We're doing everything we can to avoid confronting our weakness. We're doing everything we can to avoid the suffering in our lives. And for some of us, it, it feels like it's killing us. I would recognize today that some of you here may even be experiencing a pressure that feels so intense because of your weakness or because of your pain that you're just not sure how much longer you can endure. You're just not sure how much more you can take. You feel like you're giving way. And because you're going through hardship, you assume God has abandoned ship. And you feel like God is nowhere to be found because you feel like you're in the midst of the darkest place you've ever been and you're wondering where to go. And this is why I'm so thankful for the testimony of scripture. See, I love the truths within scripture and I love Jesus. I mean, all of that. I, I love scripture. But one of the things I'm so thankful for within scripture is the testimony of people who have gone before us, who have experienced the very things that we are going through. And I want to look at the Apostle Paul. If you're not familiar with Christianity or Christian history, Apostle Paul is like the apostle, man. He is the superhero of the faith. He's a guy that when he converted to following Jesus, he became so radical that he transformed most of the known world. And he planted churches and he wrote these letters that turned into most of what we call the New Testament today. And Paul was this real superhero. But I, I find what Paul has to say on the subject really important. And Paul wrote this letter to a church in Corinth in 56 AD, which is about 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. And Paul writes this letter to this church in Greece, and he's telling them about this idea, this concept of weakness and strength. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Now, this is noteworthy. This is the Apostle Paul, the superhero of the faith. And he begins to state this reality about his history, a reality about his life, that there was a moment in his life where he was facing such in incredible, overwhelming things that he literally despaired of life itself. He didn't know if he could keep going. He started to get to that place where he started to feel hopeless. Now that's noteworthy because this is Paul we're talking about. But what I find extra noteworthy about this is that very first phrase, which says, we think you ought to know. And here's why that is significant to Paul and to the people he's writing to. You know, when you read the Bible, one of the most important things you should know about the Bible is that every text you read has a context. And so when you read a verse, there's a greater story that that verse was written inside of. And although the Bible was written for our benefit, the Bible was actually not written specifically to us. It was written to groups of people at specific times who were going through specific things. And when Paul is writing this letter to this group of people in Corinth, 
He's actually having to defend his call of God on his, on his life and his ministry. See, because Paul was somebody who helped plant this church and he helped start this church and help grow this church. But then he would travel around to other places and he would, you know, go share the gospel, start other churches, get thrown in jail. He just kind of did that thing all the time. And there were these people that came in behind Paul. They called themselves the super apostles. Now, just a quick side note, if anybody ever gives themselves a nickname, it's not legit. Okay, so you should just know that up front. And there's these people that come in and they start calling themselves the super apostles. And the main reason they're coming into this church is because they want two things. They want power and they want money. They're trying to infiltrate it. They're trying to get resources. And so what they try to do is they try and discredit Paul. Because if they're still, allegiant, if they are still uh, pledging their allegiance to Paul, they won't do it to the super apostles. So here's what they do to undermine Paul. They begin to point out his weaknesses. They begin to say, oh man, have you heard this guy speak? I mean, I know he writes these really intense letters, but have you ever heard him speak? He's so unassuming. It's almost kind of weak among you. And then they say, look at his life. I mean, this dude is suffering all the time. He's getting thrown in jail. He's getting stoned. Not that kind of stone. And, and he's, he's doing all kinds of stuff. Do you really think God is with this guy? And that's why it is so crucial that when Paul writes this letter, the phrase he starts with is, we think you ought to know. When Paul is defending his call from God on his life, when he is defending his ministry, he does not start with his strengths. He actually starts with his weaknesses. He starts with a deep, dark moment of his life that he didn't think he was gonna make it through. And I just wonder if your calling from God was on the line. Would you be willing to make known your weaknesses? Like, would you be willing to start there? And I'm not talking about job interview weaknesses, you know, where they're like, what kind of weaknesses do you have? And you're like, well, my greatest weakness is that I have too many strengths. (laughs) And you're like, okay, that's not what I'm talking. No, I'm talking like legit, like character flaw, weaknesses, pain, suffering, weaknesses, like would you be willing to make those known as the preliminary defense? Chances are most of us wouldn't start there. But Paul understood something about weakness and he understood something about strength that many of us need to learn. Look what he goes on to write after he says that they've been despaired and crushed. He says, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. What Paul is getting at here is something that is so crucial. Paul is saying that as a result of my weakness, as a result of the pain I experienced, as a result of feeling overwhelmed, as a result of my suffering, I learned that I need to rely on one person and one person alone, and that is God. Now, please understand what Paul's not saying. Paul is not saying that your weakness, your suffering, or your pain is creating the need for you to rely on God. Because here's the truth. All of us need to rely on God in every area of our life all the time period. (laughs) But what weakness does is weakness highlights an area where we start to learn that we need to rely on God. It opens up our eyes to see that we need to rely on God. 
And if we ignore it, then we are ignoring an opportunity for God to move in our lives. And I know many of us, this is where we start to say, okay, things like trust God, rely on God, pray to God, ask for God's help. But there's a tension because we've done that and it didn't work. I remember being in a connect group with a group of guys and we were talking about just some different things. And one of the guys in the group began to share kind of his deconversion story. He was in a place in life where he was starting to lose his faith. And the reason he was losing his faith was because he was struggling with these anxiety and these panic attacks. He was really in the darkest moments of his life. And in those moments, he began to cry out to God and say, God, would you help me? Would you show me your real? Would you show up in this place? And he heard nothing. And he shared with us, he's like, I just couldn't imagine how a God who says he's ever present, a God who says he's a father, could hear his kid cry out like that in a moment of desperation and not do anything. And I know some of us in this place, we've experienced this as we watch online. I know some of us have experienced that gap between what we know to be true and what we're experiencing. And this is why self-help and even self-help Christianity is not very helpful because it hits a lid. Because if you just view Christianity and the gospel message as this list of principles, that if you just put them into practice, then God will show up in this way. It's a formula. And if you just follow the formula, then God will show up in X, Y, and Z. Then you are missing it. And you're going to hit the lid when those things don't work. And I remember as I sat there and I, I listened to him, I, I began to just say, I, I honestly can't give you an answer for why God didn't show up in the way you expected. I honestly can't tell you why he didn't answer you with lightning from heaven or with something, some powerful word to your heart. But I do know this. I do know that 2,000 years ago, that the God you're praying to suffered with you. And when he was on that cross, he prayed a very similar prayer. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You have to understand that the gospel is so much more than a principle. The gospel is a person. It's Jesus. Jesus was with us in our pain. Jesus knows what it's like to be in the darkest moments of your life and to feel weakness. When he took on humanity, it was huge. He took on all of our weaknesses. He took on all of our suffering. And here's why that matters. First, you got to know that God is with you in your pain because he's literally been there. He's literally felt the most intense emotional grief that anyone could ever feel. He's been there. But the second thing that you got to know that's important about the gospel message of who Jesus is, is that not only has Jesus been there, but because Jesus went there, it actually opened up the door for a resurrection. This is why I love God. This is why I love his kingdom. Because with God, there is always a resurrection. There is always the third day. No matter how long those first two nights feel. And you know, if you were to try and throw off God's plan, what would you do? 
So what's the worst possible thing you could do to kill God's plan? Well, he sent his son as a savior. Most likely the worst thing you could do is kill him. Oh, this is what I love about God, that when you give your worst or when the enemy throws his worst, God gives his best. And God did not view the cross as the end of the road, but he viewed the cross as a catalyst to salvation. And he didn't view the grave as an empty pit, but he viewed the grave as a gateway to redemption. This is who our God is. He takes the worst possible scenarios and he turns them for the best possible way. And when you're in the darkest moments of your life, you have to know that you are the closest to experiencing God's strength in your life. Jesus made a transfer. He became weak so that you could become strong. He he became broken so that you could become unbreakable. And I love that. Because that means regardless of how you feel, regardless of what emotions or thoughts are going through your head, that you are unbreakable if you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. And what Paul began to realize as he was writing this is that weakness is a pathway to God's power. When we are willing to acknowledge our weakness and confront our pain and confront our suffering, we are opening the door for God's power to come in our lives. Look what he says in this next verse as he's writing about this. He says, my grace is all you need. This is God speaking to Paul. He says, my grace is all you need. My power is made perfect in weakness. It works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul did not hide from his weakness. He did not run from it. He didn't ignore it. He began to boast in it. He began to rejoice in it because he realized it was the pathway for God's power. When you realize that weakness is a pathway for God's power, you begin to acknowledge your weakness to yourself. Some of us have never grieved some serious things that have happened in our lives. We kind of just moved on. We said in the name, maybe even the name of faith, we just said, I just forgive and I'm never going to think about it. Or we had this loss or we had this moment where we felt like God didn't come through and, and we never actually just acknowledged to ourselves that we don't feel very good about it. We've never grieved some things in our life. But when you recognize that weakness is a pathway to God's power, then you begin to say, okay, this is where I'm at. This is my shortcomings. God, this is what I keep messing up in. God, this is where I'm at. I need your power here. When you recognize that weakness is a pathway to God's power, you begin to acknowledge your weakness to others. You begin to open up that door to your life. You begin to share with people that you can trust and share how God needs to come through for you. This is why connect groups are more than just a program here at BC. Because we really believe that if you are willing to open your life to people who may be going through the exact same things you are, that you are going to find freedom in Jesus. One of the most powerful things God can do in your life is give you people. People who encourage you, people who stand with you, people who pray with you, people who just remind you. 
And I love how Brene Brown puts it. She says that most of the time, the things that make us feel most alone are the most universal. You'd be shocked at how that thing that you're going through alone, most of the people around you might be too, or might have at some point. See, that's a pathway to God's power. When you understand that weakness is a pathway to God's power, you might even acknowledge it to God. Some of us are so afraid of who God is or his character that we've never acknowledged our complaints to him. And I can say this about my life, about my spiritual journey. I've gotten a lot of things wrong. In fact, even today, my theology is wrong. My approach is wrong in some way, shape or form. I just don't know what it is yet. (laughs) There's been a lot of things I've gotten wrong. Well, one thing I think I've gotten right was that when I felt grieved by God, when I felt like God didn't come through or show up in the way I expected him to, when I felt like God was letting me down, I did exactly what the Psalms did. And I just took it to God. And for me, that was a journal. I would just write in a journal. And here's how most of them would start. They would start with something like this. God, I can't believe you did this. I I can't believe how much I'm messing this up. Why did you choose me? Where have you gone? You've abandoned me. But what's so crazy is, as I was willing to just get honest and raw before God, there's this transformation that takes place where God's just not afraid of your complaints. He's not afraid of the real you because let's just be real here. He sees the real you all the time, every moment of every day, of every year of your life, now and forever. Like he gets it. And what's so amazing is that by the end of those, they would just be like, but God, I know you're gonna come through. But God, I know that somehow, some way your promises are true. I know that I can trust you. And so I'm gonna keep moving forward. See, when you begin to acknowledge your weaknesses, it becomes a pathway for God's power. And I love this truth so much because you are part of a kingdom. You are part of a family. You are a part of a nation of people, so to speak. That when you are oppressed the most, when you're under the most pressure, it actually produces the most. Right now, there are countries all over the world where the name of Jesus is a name that cannot be uttered. People are persecuted for believing in Jesus. They're ripped from their families. And interestingly enough, in those places where Christianity is illegal, it is spreading the fastest. Why? Because you are a part of a kingdom that cannot be broken. You are a part of a kingdom that is literally unbreakable. And you may feel so fragile and you may feel like I don't contribute very much to that kingdom, but I just want you to know the reason you contribute is not because of who you are. It's because of who God is inside of you. Look what Paul finishes with. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves, we feel like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. 
What does this mean? It means that because of who is on the inside of you, you are like the Terminator. You just keep coming back for more. You're like my little daughter at night time. Every time I put you down, you just keep getting back up with a smile on your face saying, I'm ready for more. That's the kind of kingdom that you're a part of. That's who's on the inside of you. And I love looking at Paul's life because Paul, man, he goes through some crazy stuff. In Acts 14, Paul talks about this moment. In fact, Luke, who's writing this, he records this moment in Paul's life where these people first think he's a God because he heals someone. But then he says, no, I'm not a God. And then they get so mad at him that they stone him and put him to death. And Paul's laying outside of the city, bruised up, so messed up that they think he's dead. These Christians gather around him and he raises to life again. And here's what it says about Paul. It says he got back up and went back in. And I just love that attitude. I love that attitude that says, you know what? Because of who's on the, on the inside of me, I can get back up and I can go back in. And what you're gonna find is that as you are willing to acknowledge your weakness before God, yourself, and others, you're gonna see that God is not only gonna use it as a pathway for power in your life, but as a pathway for power in others. I love what Corey Ten Boom says. She says, the object of your pain can become the source of blessing if you give it to God. There are people who need to see your struggle. They need to see the depths of your life because when they do, they're gonna see the power of God's resurrection power in you. There are coworkers who do not know Jesus that because of how you attack your suffering or your pain with, with faith, and with a trust in God, they're going to see the light of Jesus. This is the kingdom we're a part of. This is what we believe. And so I just have to ask, would you be willing to make known your weaknesses? Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful that whether this weakness is something that doesn't feel very big or whether it's something that feels monumental, that you know what it's like to go through it. Jesus, not only do you give us the truth in these times, but you give us your presence. And I just pray for people in this room, maybe, maybe truth feels like a distant thing. Maybe they know that you're there or maybe they, they know in their head that there's a lot of things that you've promised, but I'm just praying that their reality would line up with the truth, that their experience would line up with the truth, that you would give them endurance, that you would give them the ability to get back up and go back in, no matter how many times it takes before they see your hand, before they see your power. I thank you that it is in our weakness that you are strong. As we stay in this attitude of prayer, as you keep your eyes closed, I recognize we've been talking a lot about Jesus and how he can change your life and this resurrection power, but here's the deal. The very first weakness that you have to be willing to acknowledge is that you cannot save yourself. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion, every other worldview. Every other worldview in some way, shape or form basically says, if you do enough, you can tip the scales for whatever good there is in this world or in the world to come. But Christianity is so radically different. The gospel is so radically different because it says this. It says, it's not about what you can do. It's about what Jesus has done for you. There's no amount of good that you could do that would be able to outweigh the bad you've done. You are truly limited. You are truly weak. We all are. 
but that's the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus said, no, if you would just accept what I've done for you, that I died for you, I rose to life again. If you would just believe that in your heart, I would actually give you my good standing with God, my righteousness. But it's acknowledging, it's repenting, it's being willing to say, God, I need you. The moment you're willing to say, God, I need you, is the moment God can flood your life with his power. So if there's anyone here in Warren or in Boardman or in TCI or watching on YouTube or Facebook that is just starting to come to grips with their own weakness a little bit and realizing that they need a savior who can forgive them of their sins and give them new life, then we're gonna pray a prayer together. There's this concept in the Bible that if you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so today we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that. And you can pray it right there in your living room. Pray it right here. We know that God is gonna transform you. Church, would you help me pray? No one prays alone. Say this, say, Jesus, I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes. But right now, I make a decision to follow Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you, that you died for my sins and you rose to life again. I'm yours. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.